Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we get to start a new series called Our All-Sufficient Savior, based on Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This four-week series will be looking at the four different names given to our Savior in Isaiah 9, 6. Today, we look at our Savior as the Wonderful Counselor. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. Today we begin the Advent season, and so we are going to focus on Isaiah 9, 6, uh, the four names of God. And it was read a a moment ago, uh, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, many of you know that I married a counselor, and um, she has a master's degree in counseling, and, and I remember we got engaged December 16th, 1993. I was living in a duplex up on top of a mountain in Lynchburg, Virginia, attending Liberty University, and I had it all set up. I had a marquee sign set out by the road with the words, Pam Walker, will you marry me? And I won't tell you, well, I will tell you real quick what was on the backside of the sign. Uh, I didn't have enough letters, and so I, I said, Pam Walker, will you mar me on the backside? I told her that was a southern version. Um, but anyhow, I got a really good deal on the sign since I didn't have enough letters. But anyhow, we got engaged, and we were all excited, and we planned a trip to Ohio and Pennsylvania to visit our folks. And so I'm driving her car, it's still her car, we're just engaged, and I'm on the interstate, and I'm driving along, and I get pulled over by the police. And um, she probably knows where this is going now, because this was probably one of the first times she began to counsel me. (laughs) And I can tell you, I was not ready to receive her counsel. I said, my dearest, no, I probably didn't even say that. (laughs) I said, I am not ready to receive what you have to share right now. This is not the time right now uh, for you to share your counsel with me. Um, You know, and it's a funny story, but isn't it true? There's a lot of times in our life where we're not really ready to receive counseling. Uh, We're not ready to receive what somebody has to give us. And I hope that as we talk about the wonderful counselor today, that our hearts will be open to receive what God has for us. I reminded the story of a guy who was having some problems, and he decided to get counseling, and he was trying to decide, do I go to a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst? And uh, he read all the letters after their name on the door, And he decided he would visit the psychoanalyst because he had more letters. Uh, So he went through that door. He came to two more doors. One said, with a couch, and the other one said, without a couch. And so he thought, well, I've come this far. I might as well choose the couch. And so he went through that door, and he came to two more doors. One said, you make over $200,000 a year. And the other one said, you make less than 200000 a year. He chose the one with less than 200000 a year. He went through that door, and he was back on the street. <laughs> I guess he realized counseling is expensive. 
can be. Um, so I want to start off just talking about, well, actually I'm going to go through three questions uh, today that I hope will help us. First of all, why do we need a wonderful counselor in the first place? I mean, you know, the Bible says he's a wonderful counselor, but why do we even need a wonderful counselor? Secondly, who is this wonderful counselor to talk about him? And thirdly, what does this wonderful counselor do? So pretty simple. Why do we need one? Who is he? And what does this wonderful counselor do? Well, when we look in this passage, we see the Bible says that he is... Or let me just start off with this. Why do we need a wonderful counselor? Because it's so easy to get off track. It's easy for us. We start off on the right foot and we get off on the wrong path. When we look at Judah and Jerusalem, they got off the track. God's people got off track. If we look back in chapter 3, just real quick, Isaiah chapter 3, God says in chapter 3, at the beginning, See now the Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, all supplies of food and all supplies of water. And then he goes down to verse 8 and he said, Jerusalem staggers, Judah is falling, their words and deeds are against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. They had begun to reject God's counsel. And I think it's dangerous whenever we are confronted with truth, we are confronted with the Word of God, it's dangerous for us just to turn our back and reject the wonderful counsel of God. And yet that's what happens. When we look in chapter 8, look down in verse 19, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And then he gives the answer to the law and to the testimony. That's where we get our counsel, God's law and his testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. And that's exactly what people do when they drink in the counsel of the world. They begin to get angry and they begin to curse the God who wanted to give them the counsel in the first place that they rejected. And notice in verse 22, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. And we know that if we look in, back in history, that Assyria was ready to attack them. And so they were in utter despair. And so why do we need a counselor? It's so easy to get off track. Here, God's people had gotten off track. They began to consult other voices and listen to other voices rather than listening to the voice of God. Secondly, we need a wonderful counselor because we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. We have to be reminded there is an enemy to the church. There is an enemy to the people of God, and he wants to destroy our lives. He wants to absolutely destroy us. And he will do everything he can to do that. In this case, Assyria was ready to attack God's people and destroy them. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter 5.8, he says this, Be self-controlled and alert. 
Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the people he wants to devour are the ones who are passionate about seeking after God. That's who he wants to devour. And so when you begin to take steps and begin to follow the counsel of God, he's going to come after us. So who is this wonderful counselor? Who is he? Well, it tells us that he is wonderful. We don't want to pass over that. He is wonderful. In the New Testament, it uses the word amazing. It says Jesus is amazing. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed at his power over nature. They said, look, he calmed the wind and the waves. And he said, even the winds and the waves obey him. He had authority over nature. He healed sickness and disease. He raised up people who were paralyzed and made them walk. He took people who were blind and gave them sight. He gave hearing to deaf people. He is amazing. We have a wonderful counselor. And the word actually here means that he is incomprehensible. He is beyond understanding. And then we don't understand when God does something. We say, well, I don't understand, God, what you're doing. And I've been there before. God, I don't understand what you're doing. Well, the Bible says that his thoughts are way above our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. How can we possibly understand this God? He even cast out demons. He's extraordinary. He's great. He's excellent. He's marvelous. But because of his ability, we can't comprehend who he really is. He is wise as well. We cannot plumb the depth of God's intelligence. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. His ways beyond our ways. He says in Isaiah 40, 13, who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? And then we read in Colossians chapter 2, Paul writes to the Colossian church and he says, My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding for this reason in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, the wonderful counselor. And here's what it says about Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, our wonderful counselor. He has all wisdom and all knowledge. He is wonderful and he is wise. Thirdly, he is gracious and compassionate. That's the kind of counselor we need. I don't need someone to come in and, and judge me and condemn me and, and tell me everything I'm doing wrong. I need someone who is going to be gracious and compassionate and understand my stumbling and my bumbling and my falling and my failing. And that's the kind of gracious, compassionate counselor we have in Jesus. I like that. Here's what he says in Joel 2.13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. I think about the woman in the New Testament who was caught in adultery. In the act of adultery, and they, they drag her through the streets and they throw her down in the dust in front of Jesus and say, here, she deserves to die. She's committed adultery. According to the law of Moses, she is to be stoned to death. Let's pick up the rocks and start throwing them. 
And what does Jesus do as the wonderful counselor? What's he say? Well, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. What wonderful counsel. What did Jesus do? He looked past their skin into their heart and saw their sin. He saw their sinful, wicked hearts. They were more interested in throwing rocks into the letter of the law, and Jesus is saying, you know what? Where's your accusers? He says, neither do I contemn you. Go and sin no more. What a gracious, compassionate, wonderful counselor. That's the kind of counselor I want and I need. How about you? Isn't that what we need? Gracious and wonderful counselor. I reminded the story of the psychologist and psychiatrist. They were talking, and the young psychologist asked the old psychiatrist how he could be so cheerful after listening to problems all day. The psychiatrist said, I've learned a secret. I don't listen to him. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> he didn't listen. But we have a wonderful counselor who listens to us. He listens to us and cares about us. Well, let's move on to this third one. What does this wonderful counselor do? What does he do? I'm going to mention five things he does, and they're, they're interrelated. Number one, he equips us with skill for living. He equips us with skill for living. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, skill for living, wisdom for how to get along with coworkers, wisdom for how to get along in marriage, wisdom in how to parent our children. God has given us skill for living. If we look at the scriptures, we have everything we need. How do I discipline my children? When do I discipline my children? How do I do all that? I seek the wonderful counsel of God, and he shares with me what I need to do. I remember when I had problems at work when I was working in a secular job, and I was like, God, I need your wisdom and grace because sometimes people don't do things the right way. I remember my, uh, one of my coworkers was emailing my, my boss about things I was not doing right. And then she was carbon copying me to let me know I sent a note to your boss about what you are not doing right. The only problem was I was never approached personally that I was doing it wrong. And so I prayed. I took a little prayer walk because I had to calm my emotions down, get my heart rate down, start breathing again, you know, because I was not real happy. And I prayed and I took about 40 minutes to quiet my heart and talk to the wonderful counselor. And then I walked over to that lady's cubicle and I sat down and I looked her in the eye and I said, why are you sending emails to the boss instead of talking to me personally? She said, you weren't here. <laughs> I said, then I would appreciate if you would wait until I get here and talk to me. I said, if I have a problem with you, 
I am not going to email your boss. I'm going to come and I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to talk to you about that problem. Do you know the emails stopped? And the only reason, and I didn't have that counsel, I, I got it from the Word of God. It says if you have a problem with somebody, you go and talk to them. And so the wonderful counselor guides us and helps us, even with people who don't know the Lord. Does it always work out that smoothly? I wish it did. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that smoothly. But he can give us insight and equip us. And notice it says, through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. When we come to know God for who he is as our creator and our redeemer, we come to know us and who we are. You see, the fact is, when I understand who God is and then I understand who I am, I understand that I'm a broken individual. I'm broken. I have been broken by sin. My mind is not right because of sin. My perspective is not right because of sin, and neither is yours. And that's why we can get on one another's nerves in cases. We are broken by sin. Our selfishness and pride have caused us to make decisions without God's input. Have you ever done that? <laughs> we attempt to live independent lives of God, and we do not ask Him for wisdom, the wonderful counselor. And Jesus, though our wonderful counselor, died for broken people. That's what I appreciate. He died for broken people. Remember the night that he met with the disciples before he was going to be crucified. He took the bread and he broke it and he said what? This is my body, which is what? Broken for you. <laughs> and what did he do? He allowed his body to be broken for us to redeem broken people. <laughs> to redeem broken people. And so if you're here this morning and you feel broken, it's because you are broken. And I'm broken too. We're all broken. And it amazes me how people can come into church and look at somebody and judge and say, well, they're a Christian. Why are they acting like that? We have to remind ourselves we're all broken. <laughs> we're broken by sin. And sometimes we allow the sin nature to dominate and control us. That's reality. And we don't represent the Lord well. And we have to be reminded, our brokenness is wrapped up in our sinfulness. But Jesus died on the cross as the wonderful counselor that we could be reconciled to this holy God. And I'm so glad that he did. Well, what else does he do for us? He speaks truth into our lives. This is crucial in John 18, 37. John 18.37 says this, You are a king, then said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on this, this side of truth listens to me. He speaks truth into our lives. It is vital because we, we are not in a truthful world. We're in a world full of lies and deceit. In fact, he says, when Jesus leaves and is ascended into heaven, Jesus says, I'm going to send somebody else, the Holy Spirit. And what does he call the Holy Spirit? Here's what he says in John 15, 26. 
when the counselor comes, he's a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. Why? Because he's, he's just like Jesus. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So he speaks truth into our lives. And when he does that, it rolls into number three. He corrects our faulty thinking. That's what he does. By speaking truth into our lives, he corrects our faulty thinking. Because here's what it says in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Now listen to this for a moment. He says, see that no one takes you captive. What does it mean to be captive? It means to be taken as a prisoner. It means to be taken into the grip of Satan. He says, see that no one takes you into the prison of Satan and makes you into his grip Satan holds a person hostage. And then what does he do when he holds them hostage? He takes control of their life. Have you seen anybody in recent times who Satan is dominating, controlling, manipulating their life? He manipulates them, he holds them, he strips them, and he robs them of the riches of Christ. That's what he does. And notice he says, don't let them take you captive. How does that happen? He says, through hollow and deceptive philosophy. The philosophy here, he's talking about Gnosticism. That talked about a superior, secret, special, mystery, knowledge, intellect, that it was only for a select few. Don't let them do that. Or the heathen, or the Gentile philosophers... And notice he says it is empty, it is hollow, it is meaningless, it is fruitless, it is useless. And then he says this, Don't let him take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. But notice what he, how he calls the philosophy, it is deceptive. It is deceitful, it is based on a lie. And I think about how many people in our world today embrace a lie. They believe evolution over creation. They believe in pro-choice over pro-life because they're believing a lie. Uh, they believe something else rather than the Word of God. But here's what else our wonderful counselor does. He exposes the lies of the enemy. That's what he does. When I open God's word, now I'm laying my mind down next to the word of God and it corrects my faulty thinking and it exposes the lies that I am embracing. And I can tell you there's probably not hardly a week that goes by that I am not exposed to some lie that the enemy wants me to embrace. You say, wait a minute, you're a pastor. That's right, I'm a pastor with skin on. And I'm going to tell you that every week the enemy throws lies at us. But the Word of God, the wonderful Counselor, exposes the lies of the enemy. Here's what he says in John 8, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Listen, not holding to the truth. 
That's the enemy. He's a liar, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now let me tell you a story about a woman. She had a horrible past. She had deep hurts. She had no close friends. She intentionally would schedule her visits to the marketplace when nobody else was around. She did not want to be around anybody else. She was a social outcast. She did not want to face people or interact with them closely. She felt the sting of rejection again and again. She faced one disappointment after another. She experienced one broken relationship after another. She was looking and longing for someone to love her, to value her, to appreciate her for who she was. But every time she got a man, the man abused her and used her. The one thing that she wanted the most seemed to elude her. As she walked around, she saw plenty of other couples who were enjoying their relationship in their life. But her life consisted of one big bag of disappointment. Maybe you know somebody like that. Who am I describing? I'm describing the woman in John 4 at the well. That's who Jesus talked to as the wonderful counselor. And what did he do? Because I think this is vital very vital. He exposed the lies in her life. She was embracing lies of the enemy. You need a man to make you happy and fulfill you. You need someone, you need to be involved in immorality to enjoy life. Don't be cheated out of that intimacy that God has, that you need. And she began to embrace all these lies. I need a man to make me feel valued and appreciated. And all she ended up with was in the trash because she was embracing the lies of the enemy. And here's what the wonderful counselor did. He began to peel back her eyes and saying, you need living water. You are thirsty. And you are trying to satisfy that thirst in some physical human man, life. And it cannot happen. And the wonderful counselor began to peel back the layers of hurt and pain in her life. Here's what he told her. You have had five husbands, and the man you are living with now is not your husband. What did he do? He was going back into her past. The most painful thing any of us can do sometimes is to open the door to our past. And you know what counseling is all about? Sometimes there's a root problem and the very thing that God wants to expose in our life is the lie that's at the root of our problem. And he wants to roll back the door of our past and we're like, nope, that's off limits. God, I'm not opening that door to you. It's too painful it's too hurtful, and I'm not willing to do it. And yet there are people walking around in utter defeat today because they're not willing to allow the wonderful counselor to peel back the door of their past and get at the root problem of their life. The wonderful counselor graciously, gently, compassionately pointed to the very need in her life. 
What a wonderful counselor we have. He told her about her past. He let her know that he is the wonderful counselor. He let her know that he wanted to heal her past. He let her know he wanted to transform her present. He let her know that he wanted to give her hope for a better future. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? <laughs> but if you continue to reject the wonderful counselor, you can go on and hurt after hurt after hurt. Or you can experience the healing power of God and the transforming power of this wonderful counselor. You see, some people think, and, and he wanted to open the door of her past to show her the lies that she had embraced and the lies she was still clinging to. Some people think that their situation is hopeless. My life is such a mess. God does not love me. I don't deserve his love. While that may be true, on the second part, you don't deserve it, he still loves you. He still cares about you. He wants to heal your heart and your soul. God can't forgive me. I've sinned too much. That's a lie. God can forgive. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have not sinned too much. God's grace is greater, wonderful grace of Jesus, <laughs> greater than all my sin that Yvonne and Laura played so beautifully with that duet on the piano. I can't possibly face the truth because I'll have to deal with my past. If you only knew my past, I don't want to open the door. I would encourage you to open the door only so the wonderful counselor can speak truth and expose the lies in your life. Fifthly, he meets the needs in my life. What a wonderful counselor. I have needs. You have needs. The wonderful counselor can meet every need in our life. He said in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply all your needs according to the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. I want to share with you about another woman. She had a need in her life. There was a big crowd pressing in on Jesus one day as he was walking through the town. It's recorded in Mark 5, 24 to 34, and Luke 8, 42 to 48. Mark's account gives us a few more details. The story of this woman takes place within a larger story. Jesus is on his way to a synagogue leader's house to heal his dying daughter when this unnamed woman causes an interruption and commotion in his progress. We know about this woman first. She had a bleeding condition. And the issue or the diseased blood she had for 12 years. That's a long time to have a problem. Second, she spent all her money on treatments from many doctors and none of them were able to heal her or help her. None. In fact, the issue of blood had grown only worse. We know from Jewish law that she was declared to be ceremonially unclean due to this bleeding condition. 
And it meant she was not permitted to enter the temple for religious ceremonies. According to the law also, if she touched anyone, they became unclean too. Now think about this. She touched Jesus. Did Jesus become unclean? No, he did not. He cleaned her. That's the power of the wonderful counselor. He cleaned her. After 12 years of suffering, she was looking for a miracle and she pushed her way through the crowd and she touched Jesus because she believed that God could heal the need in her life. And then he turns around and says, who touched me? I mean, the disciples are like, what are you asking that for? I mean, what do you mean? There's a whole crowd of people. What do you mean, who touched me? And he felt power go out from him to this woman. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. You see, maybe sometimes the reason we don't come to the wonderful counselor is we do not really believe that he can meet all of our needs. And he can. He can meet every one of our needs if we will only come to him. In 1895, Andrew Murray was in England. He was suffering from a terrible, painful back, the result of an injury he had incurred years before. One morning while he was eating breakfast in his room, his hostess told him of a woman downstairs who was in great trouble and wanted to know if he had any advice for her. Andrew Murray handed her a paper he had been writing on and said, Give her this advice I'm writing down for myself. It may be that she'll find it helpful. And this is what he wrote. In time of trouble, say first, he brought me here. It is by his will I'm in this straight place. In that I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then say he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me lessons he intends me to learn, and working in me the grace he means to bestow. At last, say, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when he knows. And then he abbreviates at the end, he says, therefore say, I am here. By God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, for his time. The wonderful counselor wants to meet all of our needs. Let's stand for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Why do we need a counselor? It's easy to get off track. We have an enemy that wants to destroy our soul. And yet we have a wonderful counselor who is wonderful, he is wise, he is gracious and compassionate. I wonder, do you have a need in your life today? Is there maybe even something way, way back in your past 
that you have kept the lid on tight, that even the wonderful counselor with a crowbar could not pry it open because of the hurt and the pain, and yet it continues to debilitate your walk with Christ. And it continues to undermine your relationships with others if you won't face it. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm telling you with a wonderful counselor, he wants to come in and he wants to peel the layers back in our life and bring healing. Healing to the point that when somebody else comes in the door who is broken like we are, instead of us responding like a broken person, we start responding like the wonderful counselor. Instead of me picking up a rock and I'm ready to throw it at the person because I've already judged them and condemned them, I'm laying the rock down, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Maybe you're here today and you are still embracing your sin. We have a wonderful counselor in Jesus who has counseled us that he went to the cross. He was despised and rejected of men. He was crushed, the Bible says, for our iniquities, our sin. He was crushed for our iniquity that we might be forgiven of our sin and cleansed. Do you have that personal relationship with this wonderful counselor? Do you have a need in your life that you know the wonderful counselor has put his finger on right now in your life? And here's the question. Are you going to turn away from the wonderful counselor? You know, the woman at the well had a choice. Jesus came as a wonderful counselor and says, I can give you living water. And she didn't understand at first. She says, well, give me that water so I don't have to come back to the well and keep getting more and more and more. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I can give you water that's eternal, that will satisfy the deepest thirst of your soul. That's what he wants to do in our lives. And I trust if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as a wonderful counselor that this year, this service, this week, you would give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you need to be encouraged because you're having a problem at work or a, a difficult, challenging relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. I don't know what it is, but I know this. God will expose the lies that you are embracing with the truth of His Word. And the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can be free from the lies of the enemy through the truth of God's Word. And if you need help, we're here. Call, schedule an appointment. We'll sit down and open God's Word with you and help you try to understand what the wonderful counselor has to say. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.